0: So I've been a Christian since I was a little kid, so probably going on about 35 years now or something like that. And some of you I know have been Christians longer than that. Maybe for some of you it hasn't been that long, but for some of you it's been longer than that. And I can even look back over my life and I can see how things have changed in our country and I don't think it's necessarily for the better. When I was a kid, there were still a lot of people who went to church, and now there's not quite as many. Uh, When I was a kid, and I'm sure in the years before that, the years that that some of you remember, uh, people still respected church, they respected Christianity, uh, they respected the Bible, they respected pastors and other church leaders, they tried to live their lives according to the Bible, even if they weren't Christians. There was just this respect for God, this respect for His Word, this respect for His community of people. And little by little by little, that has changed. It started with many people saying, I don't have to live my life according to God's Word. I can do what I want. I can sort of do my own thing. And then that moved to having... Uh, disrespect toward God's Word and and completely ignoring it. And then that moved to not going to church anymore, because if you go to church, you're going to hear God's Word, and you're going to be encouraged to do what God's Word says. And little by little, it moved to where society in general doesn't respect church or Jesus or the Bible. Again, not everyone, but it's just trending in that way. And we move from everyone in general respecting Jesus and Christianity and Scripture and church, we move from that to some people who are just sort of indifferent about it. They just didn't care. You do your thing, and I'm going to do my thing. And now we've actually moved to a point where Christians get pushback for their faith. Where there are many people, again, not everyone, but there are many people who don't like Christianity, who don't like Christians, who don't like Jesus, who don't like the Bible and what it says. And so instead of just saying, you do your thing and I'll do my thing, uh, you live your life your way, I'll live my life my way, there is this pushback to anything that concerns Christianity to the point where laws are passed that are specifically against things in Scripture. Uh, Christians are pushed out of areas in the public places. Uh, They're really trying, many people, trying to get us all to worship Christ in this room and do whatever we do in this room, but outside of here, they don't want any mention of Jesus. We want him left in the church. Now, I think that as we see what the Apostle Paul says today, this is one form of persecution. Now, there are different forms of persecution that Christians deal with, and we'll talk some more about that later. There are some people being brutally persecuted, even in our day today, just like Paul was in his day, but you don't have to be in chains, in prison, risking death to be persecuted for your faith, to, to be Dealing with that pushback for the cause of Jesus. It happens in a variety of ways. It happens in a workplace. When you're told to cut corners or else, and you want to be, you, you want to live a life of integrity and, and be honest. It happens in our families at times when we are following Jesus and, and we're just working in God's power with his help to follow Jesus and Uh, We have family members who don't, and and they think we're crazy. And we get pushback. It happens in a variety of ways in each of our lives, but it is happening more and more and more. And so, the question that we have as we approach God's Word in the book of Philippians today is what do we do in the midst of this? How do we as Christians respond? Do we just get angry? Do we just fight back? Is it looking for certain political leaders to, to maybe get in there and save the day? I mean, what do we do in the midst of a changing world in which there are fewer Christians and there's sometimes outright hostility to Christians? How does God want us to respond? This passage of Philippians gives us something that we should all do in response to this persecution or this pushback and also a new way of thinking. There's something that we should do, and there's also a new way of thinking. Now turn with me to the book of Philippians in chapter 1. We're going to see what Paul encourages these Christians to do and what God is encouraging each of us to do. This is the book of Philippians, chapter 1, and we're going to be in verse, verse 27. That's where we're going to be. We're going to see what should we do in light of the pushback that's coming, in light of the pushback that's already here. It is not, I'm sorry to say, I don't believe going to get any easier. I am not here to tell you that if you just have enough faith or if you just try hard enough or if you're just kind enough, that somehow all of it is going to turn around and everyone is going to respect Christians and Christianity and Jesus and the Bible again. I'm not here to say that because the Bible doesn't promise us that that is going to happen. In fact, quite the opposite. The Bible promises us that there will be persecution for God's people. It will look differently in different neighborhoods, in different cities and states and countries all around the world. It's going to look different, but every single one of us can expect some sort of pushback for our faith. What do we do? How do we respond How should we think about it? Paul is in prison at this time. He is in prison unfairly as he is writing this letter. He doesn't deserve to be there. Paul knows that there are people outside of the prison who are now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they're not doing it because they want people to come to faith in Christ. They're just doing it to try to agitate Paul. They're trying to make him mad and annoy him. They're trying to draw bigger crowds than Paul so that they can say to him, Oh, hey, Paul, we have all these crowds. We're preaching the gospel. Look at all these people, and look at you in prison. Paul is in prison unfairly. He might be put to death through all of this. He's fearing it. And he also has these supposed Christians on the outside who are just being mean to him. And in the midst of this persecution from within the body of believers and also from outside of the body of believers, Paul responds and he tells all of his followers how to respond and he encourages us with how to respond to this mistreatment, to this persecution. Follow along with me. Uh, here is what he says in Philippians 1, beginning in verse 27. He says to these sisters and brothers, For it has been granted to you that for your sake, for the sake of Christ, you should only, not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And let's pause there. The first thing Paul tells these Philippian believers is about their life, how they should live. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now Paul is not issuing a, a sort of broad call to Christian living here. He does that in other places. He's not simply saying, open God's word, look at what it says, obey what it says, uh, live a life like Christ. You know, be honest, don't gossip, uh, have integrity. I mean that's not what Paul is addressing here, although he does address that in other places, and we need to move forward. In God's power, living godly lives. We need to do that. That is part of the Christian life. How we live matters. But what Paul is talking about here when he says, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, is how these Christians are responding to the persecution that they are dealing with. How are they responding to the Roman officials who want them to stop worshiping Christ? How are they responding to those of them from Jewish backgrounds, to family members who are very upset with them for following Jesus? How are they to respond? Paul says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Stay focused on him and his message and his truth, and this is what it looks like to let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. It's how you respond when people persecute you. It's How you live your life in the midst of a culture and even friends and family members who are pushing back against your Christian faith. How do you respond? The first piece of advice that Paul gives us is to stand firm for the gospel. Stand firm. And he tells us this is key he tells us standing firm for the gospel is a team sport. This is the first item in your notes. Standing firm for the gospel is a team sport. If we're going to deal with this pushback, if we're going to deal with persecution, whatever it looks like in our lives, if we're going to withstand it, we need to stand firm. We don't cower. We don't run. We don't hide. We stand firm, but we stand firm as a team, not solo. It is really easy for us to live our Christian lives as though it's a solo sport instead of a team sport. That is not at all the picture of Christianity that the Bible paints. It always tells us that we're to be together in community. It tells us that we need each other. We have different gifts that are used in the church to build each other up. And all of us are a part of this. We can encourage one another when we're down and things are really difficult... We can sometimes encourage each other to to get back on the wagon and following Jesus when we start following a wrong path. We need each other each and every day as followers of Jesus. Christianity is not a solo sport, it is a team sport, and we need to realize that we need each other, especially in a world that more and more each and every day does not like Jesus or his people. Paul's encouragement is for us to band together here to support one another, to help one another as we are following Jesus in a world that no longer appreciates him. Paul tells them to live in this way so that he can get good reports from them. He says, first off, I want to hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind. Now, in one spirit, later on in chapter 2, we see Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit here that we, as Christians, are pushing forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is so key, because what often happens is we try to live the Christian life in our own power. We try to do it on our own. I'm just going to be stronger. I'm going to work harder. And so when we start getting pushback for our faith we double down thinking that we're going to be able to respond to it in our own strength, with our own thoughts, with our own will. And that's not what Paul tells us to do. We're doing this in the power of the Holy Spirit. God is helping each and every one of us here to do this. If we try to do it on our own, or if we try to do it without God's help, if we don't have other Christians with us, and if we don't realize that God is giving us the tools that we need in order to live this life... If we don't do that, we're just going to get worn out and discouraged. And I've been there several times in my life, trying to handle things on my own, without my brothers and sisters in Christ, without God's power, without leaning on Him, and I just get tired and discouraged. And so Paul is reminding us, it's a team sport. We have the Holy Spirit on our side, who's working with us, in us, who's guiding us and giving us the power we need during this pushback. And then he says you're supposed to have one mind. We are pushing forward in our walk with Jesus Christ, in the midst of people and a culture that is pushing back. And the first way that we can do it, pushing forward, is with the same mindset. We push forward together with the same mindset. Paul is talking about unity here. We are united in the Holy Spirit. He is working alongside all of us and in all of us. But we also have the same mission and the same purpose as we go through our everyday lives. Paul knows that if we're getting pushback and we're divided over anything, if we have different purposes, different preferences, different different ways of doing everything that we're not going to be able to live this life. We're not going to be able to engage in what really is a battle. And so he says, have one mind, be united for the cause of Christ. Be united, not divided. Now, I have served in churches where this has been a challenge. I have heard many stories about churches where this has been a challenge, where instead of being one family worshiping together, loving each other, caring for each other, united with one mind and one purpose, instead of being there, there is all of this brokenness that leads to major problems. And sometimes churches break up and people leave and there's pain. And and Paul says, don't do this. I was in a church once where there was a man who was about to enter the ministry and someone in the church didn't like it. Didn't think he should be a pastor. And so he fought and fought and fought and caused all kinds of problems, and a bunch of people left the church over it. And I thought, this is not what Paul is talking about here, of having one mind as followers of Jesus. This is not what Paul is talking about in saying we have one spirit working in us, joining us, uniting us. In a world that is increasingly against us and against our Christ, we need to be united. We need to see the gospel as the main thing, as what's most important, living it out and sharing it with other people. We have to have one mind, the same mindset, God's people living with each other, serving Christ together, and being unified. We have to work for this because uh, I don't know about you, but I'm a sinner. Is there any other sinners in here? Maybe maybe three or four, maybe. You know, you know. And so there's times that I want to go my own way. You know, there's times that I want to have it my way. And the idea of unity, you know, the idea of sacrifice, and I, I don't always like that. And Paul's encouraging us, have the same mindset, be united standing together. It's the only way that you're going to deal with this pushback that society is bringing us. We have to have one mind, the same mindset. But we also, Paul says at the end of verse 27, we have to be striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We have to be pushing forward together. This is the next point in your outline even though it is hard. We have to move forward standing together, united, even though it is hard. Paul uses this language of striving in the Christian life. It's not easy to be a Christian. It's really never been easy. It's never supposed to be easy. Paul is letting us know that as Christians living as citizens of heaven in a world that doesn't see that as something that's important or valuable, that we're we're always going to have this tension here of the way we live and the way everyone else lives. And the only way that we're going to push through it, united together on a team, is to realize it's hard and to not be angry that it's hard, to not expect that it's going to be easy, to understand that It is difficult, and as the Holy Spirit is working inside of us, as we are united together, we're going to get through this. He's going to give us what we need. Again, not easy. The Christian life is not easy. It's hard, and that's why he says that we need to be striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, reinforcing the fact that this is a team sport. We want to go it alone. We want to handle it on our own. We're strong enough. We're smart enough. We're mature enough. We can do this. And Paul says, no, no, no. This is going to be hard. You need to push through it, and you need to do it side by side with other believers. Now, I... Come up here. All right? Jeremy thought he was going to have a Sunday off. Come up here. Because I want us to understand what this is, okay? Our desire, stand right there, our desire is to live the Christian life like this. I'm going to do my own thing, Jeremy's going to do his own thing, and we're all going to be happy. right? Because I'm happy because I'm doing my thing the way I want to do it. Jeremy's happy because he's doing his thing the way he wants to do it. But that's not at all what Paul is getting at here. That's not what he's encouraging us to do. Team sport, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So it's like this. Come here, dude. You're taller. Do you have to do it? Does this work? All right. This is what he's talking about locking arms sisters and brothers team sport side by side pushing forward in a world that is pushing back we're united by our faith in Jesus Christ we're united by the power of the Holy Spirit and together we are moving forward in the midst of a whole lot of people who don't love Jesus and don't want anything to do with him If we're on our own, it's just going to be a mess. If we are united, God can accomplish amazing things in us and through us. Locked arms as a team, striving forward side by side for the gospel. This is what Paul is encouraging us to do. Thanks, bro. That's what he wants. It's hard. We can't do it alone. And if we try, we're just going to get tired. We're just going to get discouraged. We need to have the same mindset. We need to understand that it is going to be hard. And we also need to know there is going to be a lot of fear in this Christian life. It is okay to understand that there are difficult things and scary things. There is going to be fear there. We need to understand it. Paul's encouragement is is not to be frightened because as we're standing together and God's working in us, we can push through this. Together we push through the fear. He says at the beginning of verse 28 as you're striving side by side, locking arms, united together, you're not frightened in anything by your opponents. Again, you're not cowering, you're not allowing fear to overtake you, you're not running away from the people who are giving you this challenging time. Instead, you are not frightened because you know the truth of the gospel. You're not frightened because you know you're not alone. You not only have God on your side, but you have your sisters and brothers in Christ alongside of you. And so together, you are united, you are pushing forward, and so there is no need to be afraid of the people who are persecuting you, giving you pushback, who are disrespectful of you because of Jesus, who break off relationships because of Christ. There's no reason to be afraid of them. We can push forward. Paul says, I love this. Paul says the fact that we're united, the the fact that we're working together, the fact that we're standing firm, the the fact that we're side by side, the fact that we're not afraid. Say whatever you want about me. Say whatever you want about my Jesus. Do whatever you want to me. I know the truth of the gospel. I know who my God is. I know what Jesus has done for me. There's nothing you can do that's going to take that away. Paul says... This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Clear sign. Two groups of people, those who are going to be with Jesus forever and those who are not. Those who are filled with the Holy Spirit and he's leading them and guiding them and allowing them to live this Christian life and those who are doing it their own way. Ultimately, we're with Christ in heaven if we are followers of Jesus, and if not... Hell is the eternal destination. Paul says as Christians are living differently, they're working together, they're living lives that honor the Lord, they're not afraid, they're bold for Christ. As we're living this way, we are painting a picture for a world around us that there are two two types of people, two groups of people, those who are with Jesus and those who are not, those who are going to be with him forever and those who are not going to be with him forever, heaven and hell it doesn't mean that they're always going to recognize it. It doesn't mean that everyone around us is going to be swayed by it. Sometimes people are influenced positively by the way we live our lives, sure, but not always. They may not always see the difference and appreciate it. They may not be led closer to Christ because of it. But Paul says, as we do something that most people don't do, we are painting a picture of something beautiful, that there are people who are serving Christ and they will be with Him forever and ever and ever. Uh, I don't think we think about heaven enough and our eternal destiny. That's another sermon, so I won't go down that road too much. But I think we need to really spend time regularly thinking about our future. We're going to be with God forever and ever and ever. And as we live this Christian life, a very different way of living, we're showing everyone, hey, there are differences. There is a Jesus, and he has saved us, and he has changed us. There are things that we do differently in order to push forward together in this team sport in the midst of a world that is challenging us. Uh, We have the same mindset. We realize that it's hard, but we strive forward anyway, and we are not overcome by our fears. Those are the things that we do differently as Christians. That's how we deal with persecution. That's how Paul's encouraging these sisters and brothers to deal with persecution. But there's also a change in mindset that has to happen. We have to think differently if we are going to move forward in a world in which there's going to be a lot of pushback for our faith. And as I said earlier, I think there's just going to be more and more. And I don't say that so that we we, we sort of just think back to the old days and just, just sort of shake our heads. I say it because God is on the throne. God is at work in the world around us. God has not forgotten about any of us. And so he is using all of these things in our lives. It's not as though persecution or pushback or people who are very, very bad to us for our faith. Uh, It's not as though that is something that we are always supposed to just run away from, because Paul says something here that is striking that I'm not so sure all of us are going to agree with or believe. Paul says that this pushback for the gospel, problems in your job, problems in your family, problems with your friends, that this pushback for the gospel is a gift, that it's something we get to receive, that, that in, in some weird way, it's a blessing. Now, I don't know about you, but as I have dealt with challenges for being a Christian throughout my life, I have not really thought they were a gift. There's never a point when I said, oh, this is awesome, bring it on, you know, I want more of this. No, Never my mom uh, was a strong Catholic, and when I became born again and and began began following Jesus, uh, I left the Catholic Church, and uh, my mom could not understand it for anything. Um, I was the one child that she had who who was actually religious and actually going to church, but I wasn't going to her church. I wasn't doing it her way, and, and I was doing something different, and she didn't quite understand it, and there was all kinds of pushback from my mom, whom I dearly loved and we did have a good relationship, but on this issue, there was you, know, you need to go through this religious ritual and you need to go through that one and you're not doing this and you're not doing that and, and there were conversation after conversation after conversation about this to the point where family meals would get awkward and holidays would be difficult because there wasn't just an acceptance that okay, I'm doing it differently, she's doing it this way and I'm doing it this way there was this pushback. There was never a point in any of those conversations never a point in any of those conversations where I said, this is a gift. Thank you, God, for all this tension with my mom. Thank you for that. I never said that. I never did. But Paul lets us know it is a gift. This is what he says in verse 29. For it has been granted to you, if you write or underline in your Bibles, write or underline that or highlight it, it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So that means, this is our next point, pushback for our faith is something God allows us to go through. Again, it's not that God is not on the throne. It's not that he's not in charge. It's not that he's asleep at the switch here and, and doesn't know what's going on, and so the world is just wandering aimlessly without him. God knows what's going on. He's using it all. And that means no matter what our struggle is for our faith, God is granting to us that we should have it. That's why, especially in the book of Acts, we read of Christians celebrating the fact that they got to suffer for the cause of Christ, which seems so difficult to understand until we spend some more time thinking about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Think of his suffering. Think of everything that Jesus went through for you and me. Think of the beatings. Think of people spitting on him and mocking him and pulling out his beard. Think of people taking a crown of thorns and jamming it in his head. Think of him dragging this heavy cross, after being beaten and whipped, dragging this heavy cross all the way to a mountain where he was nailed to it eventually dying. He suffered all of that for you and me. And so these early Christians saw suffering for Christ is in some way, not nearly as much, but in some way doing what he had done for them. I get to take part in the sufferings of Christ. I get to suffer for the cause of the gospel. This is a gift. So Paul says, we need a mindset shift. So when someone at work says you need to cook the books a little bit so that the company can make a little more money and we say I can't do that if there is any pushback, if there's any disrespect if we might even lose our job uh, Paul says you get to suffer for Christ, no one likes losing a job no one likes tension where they work but, but you get to do this for Christ God is allowing it. It is a gift. You get to take part in what he is doing in the world around us. There are uh, people I've talked with who teach in uh, public schools, and there's some great public schools, so I'm not knocking public school in general or anything like that. Uh, But increasingly, schools are changing curriculums and the way they handle things, and teachers and administrators and staff members are are feeling this pressure where it is anti-God, there's this pushback to God, we're going to completely remove him, and we're even going to be hostile to God, we're going to make Christians out to be fools, and and Christianity out to be wrong, and and so again, whether teachers or staff or or administrators, they're feeling sort of oppressive, this, this feeling that... They can either be Christians or they can be educators, but they can't be both. And Paul says, again, what do we do differently? We stand firm together, working alongside of each other in the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we think differently? We get to do this. God is allowing this, allowing us to take part in the sufferings of Christ for all of his purposes. It's really, really long time, I think, before you get to the point where, like those sisters and brothers in the book of Acts, you're doing cartwheels when you get to suffer. I haven't gotten there yet, but it helps me to understand, "Oh, oh, I get to, because of Jesus, because of his gospel message of good news, because of what he's doing in the world, I get to be a part of what he is doing. This is actually good news. This pushback for our faith is something he allows in our lives. We get to do it. Another thing is, it, it this is our final point here, it, it, it unites us with believers all around the world. You see, as Paul is talking to these sisters and brothers in Philippi, he's writing them a letter from prison, they are many miles away. Paul says to them, you are engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul is saying, even though you're many miles away, even though I may never see you again, even though some of you I have never met, we are united as we are facing this pushback, this persecution, we are united no matter where we are as sisters and brothers in Christ. We're all together in this. We are united with Christians all around this country. Christians we will never meet. Christians who experience the same kind of pushback that we experience. Christians who are wrestling with the exact same things. We are united with sisters and brothers in other parts of the world where their pushback, their persecution, is far more severe than ours. Ours is rough, and we don't like it, but theirs is even more severe. Just this morning, I was on the Christianity Today website And I saw that there are major protests in Nigeria where Christians are gathering together and uniting together to protest the fact that in the last year, more than 1,300 people have been killed in Nigeria just because they are Christians. For no other reason. Christians, there's groups of people that hate you and they are killing these sisters and brothers. And so, all these Nigerian Christians getting together, thousands and thousands and thousands of them, to say, We are united, we are pushing forward, no matter what you do to us, we are together for the cause of Christ. We are united to them. Again, many of us, maybe all of us, are never going to be to Nigeria. They're never going to be here. We're never going to see them face to face on this earth. But because we are followers of Jesus, and they are followers of Jesus, because we are united by the Holy Spirit, and they are united by the Holy Spirit, all of us are in the same family, moving forward together, in the midst of the pushback, the persecution, the hardship. We're doing this together. That's why I love the fact that Village Bible Church prays for missionaries serving all over the place. We support them, and we regularly pray for them. I was glad Jeremy even did that this morning. We do that because we are united with brothers and sisters we're never going to see because Jesus Christ is our Lord, and He's their Lord. Because God the Father is our Father and theirs. Because the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, and He's working in their lives. And so I want us to be praying for these countries and these people that we won't see this side of heaven. That's one of the ways that we stand united as a team working together for the cause of Christ in the midst of a world that really, really doesn't like Christ or his followers. I said at the very beginning of this, Christianity is not a solo sport, it's a team sport. Uh, I want you to think back. Some of you will remember this, some of you won't. So I'll, I'll try to... Detail it so even if you don't remember this, you'll understand what's going on. Uh, It's 2007, and the Bears are in the Super Bowl against the Indianapolis Colts. When the game begins, there's so much hope, so much anticipation. There's the kickoff right at the beginning of the game, and the ball is received by a player named Devin Hester. And Devin Hester, excellent football player, one of the fastest guys in football. Devin Hester grabs the football and he begins running toward the end zone. And he's running and running and faster and faster and faster. And all of a sudden, everyone who's watching the game realizes Devin Hester may return this all the way to the end zone to score right at the very beginning of the game. Is he going to make it? Is he going to get there? And I was at a party with some family members and some friends, and all of a sudden we're all up out of our seats cheering, go, 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 is he going to make it? And, and he gets into the end zone and scores right at the beginning. Still to this day, just like me, people are talking about that opening kickoff and how amazing it was. Now we know that the Bears ended up losing the game. Could have been a happier ending. But people still talk about that kickoff. What a way to begin a game. Devin Hester, so amazing, such a great player. Man, was that exciting. And You know who they don't talk about? The nine other guys who were on the field with Devin Hester, who were doing the blocking, pushing members of the Indianapolis Colts out of the way so that Devin could keep on running. We treat that moment like it was a solo moment. Like it was just Devin Hester, totally amazing, doing it on his own. Ignoring the fact that it's a team sport, that it's a hard sport, that there's a lot of rough and tumble to this sport, and unless all ten of those guys are on the field doing exactly what they are supposed to do together... Devin Hester doesn't get anywhere. If he grabs the ball and he's all by himself, the Colts are going to pounce on him. But because this team did what they were supposed to do, he was able to score the touchdown that people will talk about for many, many more years to come. Let's not live lives that are solo. Let's live lives as a team. Christians, Christians. Locked arm and arm together. Not being angry at the world that doesn't like Jesus and doesn't like us. Not finger-pointing. Instead, working with each other for the cause of the gospel, praying for these people, loving these people, reflecting Jesus to these people, and not being afraid knowing that God is still at work in our lives and in their lives, and God is in control of this, and he's going to do great, great things.